Harry Popoff 2 starts in just one minute, but first, did you know that if you have a Netflix streaming subscription, you can just search for Ninjas vs. Vampires, that movie we've been talking about all this time. Just search for us and you can watch us streaming on your iPhone or your iPad or on your Xbox or PlayStation, whatever you use. Just look up Ninjas vs. Vampires, add us to your queue and stream us so you can enjoy that for free. Also, speaking of free, if you've been enjoying these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, check out the other ones if you're just listening to Popoff or just Trek Off or whatever it is you're listening to go check all of them out at endlightpodcast.com or search on itunes for epn and rate them give them all five stars and uh, let everybody know that you've enjoyed them uh also let people know on your facebook that we're there so we can get more people in and keep growing the network that's it enjoy harry papa hello and welcome to harry papa <laughs> It sounds dirty. Um, Harry Popoff and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, today, I'm once again with Kelly. Hi, Kel. Hello. And uh, she is coming home right after having gone to see Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. So as promised, we are going to do our review and overview of the film um, and our experiences watching it. So uh, so welcome home. Thanks. Uh, uh, why don't you tell us... Uh, how this movie going experience uh, as a movie going experience differed from every other movie going experience you have ever had in your entire life. Okay. But first I'm saying spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh yeah. Alert yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. Um, sorry. Anyone listening? Spoiler alert and probably crass language. So uh, viewer discretion, 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 discretion is advised because we will be spoiling the movie and I'll probably be cursing. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this was different from every movie going experience I've ever had in that it's the first time I've ever gone to a movie all by myself. Yeah. Weird. Um, you uh, like a big girl. Um, as as our truck off listeners have heard that uh, we we have recently um, had a newborn baby. Um, yes. And uh, I was able to go out uh, with Daniel Ross from the Ninjas vs. Vampires movie and uh, and from other pop off uh, episodes. And the plan was for you to go with someone else. And that kind of fell through and we knew that we needed to do this and we had a free night and we're recording Trek off tomorrow. So, um, you went. Yep. Um, went all by myself. Well, I had a date with myself. What was that like? Um, it was, uh, um, different. <laughs> how so? How was it? How was it different? Uh, well, I didn't have anybody sitting next to me. <laughs> Okay, clearly. <laughs> Thank you. Best podcast an, ever. There was an empty seat on each side, one for just my popcorn and one for So how did it feel? Okay, so so there was a time when I was going to pick up my brother Sean from the airport and his uh and his flight was delayed by three and a half hours. And it was up by Baltimore. And so I uh I went uh and randomly chose exits um because I didn't have a GPS on my phone at the time and I randomly chose exits until I found a movie theater and Halloween not each two Halloween Resurrection was playing the last of the of the original continuity of of Halloween movies was playing and I sat down um in a movie theater by myself for the first time in my life um to see Halloween Resurrection and it was an interesting experience I it it all at once, I felt I felt like someone was going to see me and call me out um, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, was that what it was like for you at all? Like, like, like they know, they know no. you're all by myself. No, not really. The only time I really thought about that was um, like when people were coming in looking for places to sit. Initially, I kept wondering when they would like glance at where I was, whether they were 
wondering which empty seat <laughs> next to me was taken. But um, but I didn't, uh, aside from that, I didn't really think people were concerned with what I was doing well, at all. Well, it's, you see, I'm, I guess your and my personality differs in that way. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> you think everybody's looking everyone's at Everyone's looking at me, and if they're not, they should be. Um, so, yeah, I had that experience that I was there. But then after the movie started, and I kind of got over that feeling, it was kind. it was a very indulgent feeling. It was very, like, kind of, mm-hmm. like, I'm just sitting back. This is for me. This whole show is mine. Yeah, I felt a little like that, and it was nice that I didn't have to. the The downside to it is if I had gotten up during the movie at all to go use the bathroom or like wanted to go out and get a drink refill or anything like that, that I wouldn't have had you to come back to and go, okay, what I miss? Oh, so did but, you stay um, in the theater the entire time? I did. Yeah, yeah. I stayed your... stayed in the entire time, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being on my own it's where it's you know it's something that maybe we maybe we're gonna have to try is little dates with ourselves um (laughs) because it's gonna be hard so it's like just an interesting like sort of life change thing that that you were able to do this maybe i will try again and see how it goes because i i so love seeing midnight shows and you're generally pretty pretty willing to to watch you know to watch kids on an early saturday morning that yeah. maybe maybe it's something that we'll have that we'll have to increase. That would be the way we see our movies for well, a while. for a little while. I mean, nothing wrong with that. So okay, so um, uh, you texted me uh, from the theater when you got there. The one thing you texted me, um, and I quote: "Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford in a movie. I'm in." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you saw the Cowboys and Aliens trailer. Yes, I did. Yes. Um, Which uh, was really really. I at first was watching it, going like, "What on earth? What is this?" Yeah. And, but yeah, from the from what you one of the executive producers of Ninjas versus Zombies, you're like they're mashing these two together. That's bullshit. I can't believe <laughs> who would do that. That's fucked up. I'm not gonna do that. Well, and I had heard of the movie, but I didn't know that it had these. Well, them and 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 John Favreau directs it. You know, the guy who made Iron Man, which you can yeah, kind of tell yeah. that it's in love with its own technology, which is great. Yeah, um, and it's fun. Um, there's an interesting history of that movie. Really quickly. Um, Evidently, uh, this is a legend, and I might be misquoting, so nobody sue me, but uh, our friend Tom, um, who's in charge of the Ninjas vs. Zombies comic, uh, evidently knows a dude uh, who wrote a uh, nin- wrote a Cowboys vs. Aliens uh, comic book at one point. This movie is also based on a different Cowboys vs. Aliens comic, uh, and evidently there was some um, discussion about that. Um, I know nothing more, uh, but that, there, that maybe the movie is based on an idea of a friend of a friend. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Uh, Maybe they'll make a movie of the that, comic of Ninjas yeah. versus Zombies. I, you know, I well, it's funny. I, I, because of course the comic Ninjas versus Zombies is based on Ninjas versus Zombies. So I thought that that maybe one day like they'll remake. It would be weird a remake of a comic book version of a movie that already exists. Um, could be interesting. Yeah. Um. Okay. So what was the theater like? Was it full? I mean, you saw it Sunday night at nine thirty. What was it nine. like? Sunday what, night at nine. What was the theater like? Give me, give me, give me a feeling um, of what it was. So, well, you went. You wasn't your intention. Your intention was to go see an eight thirty film. Yes, and the eight thirty was sold out. So on a um, Sunday night. On a Sunday night, so I didn't get into that one, and that was the regular two D, and the next one available was three D. So I actually saw it in three D, which is different from what you saw. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about that. Um, but the, but the theater was full. But the theater, um, for the nine o'clock was it was. Like, I don't, I don't know, 60, 70. 70% full? Percent full, maybe. 
Okay, so so I went on opening night. Um, or on yeah, I went on Thursday night. Uh, sorry, I went on Friday night, not on Friday Thursday. Night. I went on Friday night. So the movie had you already went opened on Thursday. Friday, Friday. Friday. <laughs> um, uh, and it had already opened Thursday. Um, it's worth noting the box office stake that this movie has made. It broke uh, broke box office records when it made, I think, forty three million dollars uh, on Thursday night from midnight and two a.m. screenings. <laughs> um, uh, and its weekend take, I think, is one hundred and fifty eight million. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, making it the uh, biggest opening William of all. Uh, bo- I, I, I'm looking at a Star Wars poster <laughs> and it says John Williams right there. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest opening William. Shut up. Uh, the biggest opening weekend uh, of all time, uh, soaring past um, The Dark Knight, uh, which had, had it before that. Um, biggest opening midnight show of all time, which I think it was either New Moon or Eclipse had it. Um, there were like five different records that it broke, but I also think that I read that internationally and domestic together, it's pulled in in one weekend four hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Wow! Um, or half a billion dollars. Wow. Um, yeah, it's huge. It's it's a behemoth. Um, and amazing. It's going to be such a huge film, and yet there are no plans of any kind to make any more. Um, that would never be the case. I mean, it's and. And the question is, J.K. Rowling, who holds all the rights, like, what, what the fuck do you bribe her with? She's got, she has more money than the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. It's true. That, like, like three or four years I, ago, yeah, she surpassed that. that. So what do you bribe her with? <laughs> what do you go, like, we will give you more money? And she's like, yeah, so, like, you know, she's got enough money to, like, feed every man, woman, and child on earth. I mean, what, would, what could you possibly offer her? Um, and yet... Frame. Yeah, well, I mean, interestingly, in this movie, of course, uh, we talked about how it blew back the blue past the Dark Knight. Um, there is, of course, one more trailer we should talk about that came before the movie uh, for both of us, and that was the trailer for the Dark Knight Rises. Yes, um, that was cool. That was it was really cool for me to see that because I was like Commissioner Gordon. All right, spoiler on this, please. Um, but Commissioner Gordon's all up in a in a bed and they're doing like clips from the first ones and he's like batman has to come back come back so i guess batman's coming back yeah (laughs) also interestingly that both of these films are talking about blowing past uh, box office records and it's just like warner brothers warner brothers warner brothers warner brothers it's like warner brothers is making a ton of dough um so we are going to talk at one point about uh deathly house part one but let us go back to the end of deathly house part one which ends with voldemort looking up at the sky and going with a big lightning bolt and then the movie ending abruptly and the audience going what um yes and and so this movie started abruptly with that Uh, well it doesn't it start doesn't it start with like this like scene of like like English countryside for a second before, or does it just go right to the shot? No, I think it, it like pre it, well, it like panned across something and then like went to that. And this then is, it went to him and I didn't even realize the movie was starting. Yeah. Cause, cause you feel like cause it's a trailer. Had, yeah. Cause you had just been through trailers uh, through a few previews. There and is then, no sense that the movie's starting. There's yeah. no like, like until I saw goes, that it was his face. And then I was like, Oh, Oh, I guess the movie started. Yeah, there's no, there, and then it did the big Warner Brothers yeah. logo, and and, and you you, you kind of wonder why. Like, if I were making the movie, which of course you know this movie has made more money than ever, so you know who am I to say anything? But if I were making the movie, I might have started out with like screen in black, music comes in, give me a sense that something is starting, and I didn't get that sense that something like, was like, hey, audience, pay attention now. 
Uh, yeah, totally. It's not just previews uh, anymore. Okay, so look, before we go any further, before we go any further, um, do you recommend this film? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It was very good. It was a very good movie. Is it the best of the Harry Potter movies? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I would I would say, in my opinion, like Go- Goblet of Fire and then and then Prisoner of Azkaban and then probably this one. Um, but I'm weird because I like Order of the Phoenix and nobody else did because um, I usually like the angsty stuff, too. Uh, but I would put it. Yeah, I would. You know, I would put it at about fourth in the in the series, which is great. You know, I liked with the exception of the second one. I liked all of them. Um, uh so I don't think that like I, I want to come right out and say I did like it. I'm going to talk a bit about the stuff I did like, but it's just easier to talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wouldn't have done that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so jumping right in. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have started it with something? Yeah. I would have I just I, it bugged me that I didn't know the movie was starting. Yeah, it was a like I felt like, oh, well, maybe I should have been paying attention because I. I just thought it was another yeah, just a, preview. It didn't starting. even seem like a preview. It just seemed like sort of like, here's footage. Yeah. Here we go. And well, yeah, because I, I actually found myself wondering, like... Is this usually, a mistake? <laughs> usually the thing comes up that says this has been approved for yeah. appropriate audiences, which, by the way, I do. I kept wondering, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. It's, it's, it's been approved for appropriate this audiences. This is why all our movies are How do no I know rated, if I'm appropriate? The, yeah, the, well, because the MPAA is just... <laughs> It's ridiculous. Anyway, but, go on. but yeah, so since that didn't come up, I was I really was at first looking at this footage, going like, "What? What is this?" Okay, so like, start? what is this? Tell me if this wouldn't have made this made it different. Um, it's uh, if if the, if it started just black and just like a swell of strings. Yeah, and then, then the footage, you, and then you just know like, something's happening. And it seems to me like he's clearly like. The movie was meant as a single film, and he's just like, "Here's the edit point." Yeah. Um. Uh. So okay. So we start with that. Fine. We start with that last shot, and then we have our first new shot of the film, which is a shot of Snape, uh, overlooking uh the courtyard of Hogwarts, and the kids are sort of marching, and it's kind of like Nazi marching. Yeah, and and Snape is looking over it. And I immediately he's a different Snape than the one at the beginning of Deathly Hallows one. Of course, he's like kind of upset to watch the teacher being tortured to death by by Nagilum. Is that the name of the who was the name of the snake? Nagilus or something like that. Uh, Something. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Nahigi. Yeah. Something. So so at the so at the at the snakey snakey snakehead. (laughs) So at the beginning of this, right, the the. The shot you have of Snape is really a, he's doing something complicated in terms of his acting there because he you really can't tell what he's feeling. He looks regretful, but at the same time, he looks resolved to what he has to do. And immediately I noticed what an amazing shot of subtle acting by by Alan Rickman. And when I walked out of this movie after seeing it with Daniel, I said, that is the shot that the last that without the walking the marching stuff if that if they had ended the last movie with the lightning bolt going into the sky and then that same kind of shot of snape seeing it and that shot where you don't know what he's feeling and then you faded to black it would seem like such like a punctuation at the end of the last movie that i think the audience might have been okay with the movie ending yeah because it was it was a slight comment comment on what we were seeing 
before cutting to black. And instead they were like, Rah! cut to black. And I feel like if they had ended with that raw cut to black fade up on Snape and he looks, you know, remorseful and then let the credits roll. I feel like that would have been just enough to to assay the 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 criticism that came at the end. Don't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I like I I didn't catch all that in his acting like. Well, it just. Ignoring the acting, ignoring the critique of the acting, the shot told us a lot about the character. It told us a lot about the character and it gave us stuff to think about. And the last shot of of the first movie, it was just like, and didn't give us anything to think about when we left. And I think a thoughtful moment at the end would have been appreciated. I liked it here. I loved it at the beginning, but it would have been nice. Yeah. Um, So moving on. Uh, the Warner Brothers logo comes and boy, it seemed so confident at the beginning of the last movie where it was just like the Warner Brothers logo that comes at you so slowly. And this time, given that you just had this remorseful shot, the slow, because they give the remorseful shot before they do the Warner Brothers lo- logo coming at you and the slow zoom in on the, on the Warner Brothers logo seemed a little much this time. Um, whereas last time I was like, this is, con-. in fact, I've said that in a podcast that, that seemed ballsy to me that they, they would take a full 45 seconds or whatever yeah. it is for the Warner brothers logo to come to you. And that this time after the remorseful shot, it felt like, again, it felt like this was a zoom. Like they took the same footage from the first one and it was meant, it was a different feeling that I had at the beginning of the first one. It was slow and remorseful. And I felt that way again, when the, when the Harry Potter logo comes up. I feel sort of the same way. It just sort of doesn't feel exciting at this mm. point. Um, I didn't notice any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice anything about logos. Well, I was just remembering that I've commented before that, that that zoom in on that logo is so confident in the last movie. And this time it seemed maybe a little overconfident. Um, but okay, finally, enough nitpicking. The opening of the scene, they're burying Dobby and they have this scene at, uh, is it, um, it's not Gringotts. Who who made the one? Oleander. Ollivander. Ollivander. Um, I loved this scene. I loved. There's barely any music. The performances are intense and subtle. Daniel Radcliffe for like the first time ever doesn't seem like he's overacting. Mm-hmm. Um, the the it's moody. There's these great shots of like them in silhouette, although it's terrible ADR on it. Did you notice the terrible ADR no, when they're so so they start down on the bottom and they have this great shot where they go up and you see the three main characters in silhouette kind of in the attic talking like what are they going to do next mm-hmm. and um, on Ron specifically when Ron talks he must have been saying other lines they must have rewritten his lines because very clearly his mouth is saying something else like I didn't notice I that bought at all. an ice cream truck <laughs> <laughs> and it, I did not notice uh, that at all do we get to fuck soon you know it's, <laughs> so it's like I don't like I don't think that like I don't know that was my only complaint there but it's still other than that that whole scene it's moody as hell isn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it it gives you this sort of sense of like a, it's for what is supposed to be a big mystical action movie. This is very much a slow interrogation, very British drama that they're giving you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. 
<laughs> I don't have something to add to that. You're critiquing totally different stuff than what I. Okay, so what are you feeling at this point? So okay, so this scene takes you know by the time we we sort of stay here, and I don't know if we cut back to the school, but by the time we get to the goblin, um, and and more specifically by the time we get to Gringotts, um, you know it, it takes a little while. We spend a little time waiting for this to happen. So are you feeling like that? Like I'm, I'm entranced by this opening, this very incredibly quiet opening. Are you feeling the same way? Are you already like, are you feeling like this is slow? Uh, honestly, I don't remember what I was feeling at any given point in the movie. I just remember my o- overall impression of the whole movie was that. Oh, are you going to do impressions? <laughs> Was that it was it I'm felt Hermione. long? I'm Hermione. I'm <laughs> going to be someone else right now. It felt long to me. Yeah, okay, and but, I and I felt like it was short. Um, and most of that is stuff at the end. And I feel like you feel like the end was long, whereas yeah. I feel like the end was short. But we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. But I so I mean I don't. You and I watch movies very was, different ways, and you and you recall things a lot better than I do. I don't have a play by play of each scene of how I felt during each scene. Okay. So, okay. So, so clearly as my, my intention of going point, point, point through the movie is collapsing upon itself. Uh, this is okay. So this is a, an argument that we've had before, like in private going, what'd you think? And she's like, Oh, it was, <laughs> it was good. It was nice. I liked it. And I'm like, yeah, no. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, so I, ha- I have thoughts about p- pieces of it. And, different things okay well let's get let's get to the let's get the first thing that i think you will have a thought about which is i just really enjoyed the tone at that point but the first thing that i really enjoyed in terms of of a performance and i walked out thinking about this was helena bonham carter um who and i might have told i I didn't tell you that you would enjoy it and i said i said you're gonna watch her performance and you're gonna think you're gonna think but she didn't do all that much no yes she did she played hermione playing What's her character's name? Um, Bellatrix. Bellatrix, yes. She plays Hermione playing Bellatrix and yes. is perfect. Yes. Pitch perfect in her in her performance. You really actually forget. That that was her. That it's her. Okay, so so the plot of the movie is, again, spoilers. They have to break into Gringotts and to do it, uh, to, to find out what's in Bellatrix, Bellatrix with Strange's uh, vault, that, that Hermione has to use the... Um, is it is polyjuice potion? I guess yeah. yeah probably. That that changes that changes her into uh, into fucking um, Bellatrix, and the, she has to go in, and she uh, the actress changes. It is Helena Bonham Carter, and it's not uh, it's not her. It's not um, Emma Watson's voice. It is. Her. Are you sure? I think that that at no. first, I think at first it is her voice, but I think that by the time they get into Gringotts, I think it's actually. No, I d- I think I it's think Helena. So. Bon- I think it's her because they've always had the ability to imitate the voice. They've always done that, and I think that she would do it. I think it was just her doing a. a I mean, I, I'd be interested to find that out, but still, the expressions, yeah. the everything about but, her, performance but even is, the expressions and things, yeah, because she does. There were. It's funny. The fact that you forget it. That it was her doing it is is yeah. is a testimony to how great she does they, at it. Because they really they make it seem like, I mean, like it really is Hermione. Like there are certain facial expressions and things that she does that 
I watch it going like, okay, yeah, that's Hermione in there. And then a couple times she made faces that Bellatrix makes. And I actually she, thought to myself like, oh, wow, well, that's really cool. Oh, Hermione's doing a good, a good Bellatrix job, face. Man. But it's actually, but it wasn't quite right. That's the thing. Her Bellatrix is where you could see the lack of confidence behind. Yeah. Like she'd be like, oh, I'm doing something scary as Bellatrix now. Yeah. Um, but you could tell that she wasn't quite able to pull it off. So it's Helena Bonham Carter playing another but, person but yeah. pretending to be her character and not doing it that well is that was really good it was i was so impressed by that um and then you get to the i do i do have to ask about what there are a few things i didn't understand in the movie and one was um they challenged her to um present identification present her wand Uh uh-huh and i didn't understand why they didn't present the wand because just in the scene before they, they had, had the just wand. established that they had the wand. Here's the wand no 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 no. i can tell you why because um, and they and no, olivander no. said it was hers and he said to be careful yes. with it but 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 harry and um is, is ron with him oh yeah. no the goblins with him yeah. the goblins with him for whatever reason uh ron couldn't take polyjuice por- potion instead had to have a terrible beard <laughs> Um, and Ron is underneath, uh, or rather, uh, the goblin and uh, Harry are underneath the invisibility cloak. And the goblin says, they can see, they know, it's a trap. So so behind the desk, they're delaying and they're, they're, they know that something's amiss. And so that's what he whispers to him and that's why they're... Yeah, but they're, I still don't understand why they didn't just show the wand. It wasn't a matter of them showing the wand, it was a matter of they had been tipped off. So they were they, okay. they were trying to, you know, beat the system. However, they go in and this is a scene I didn't like. I didn't like the scene. I didn't like it was like, hey, we're on a roller coaster. Now maybe it worked in 3D. Did it work for you? Uh how was the 3D? Let's just come out and say how was the 3D in the film? I honestly most of the time I didn't even remember that it was 3D. It seemed like the dragon would have been cool in look- 3D. The the dragon would have been cool in 3D and the roller coaster ride through Gringotts would have seemed like you were no, not at all. No waste there of money. Was, there, yeah, there was almost nothing. The snake, maybe, uh, from time to time, coming out there of was, the audience. There was um, there was nothing that ever seemed to come out at us. So, so and there was almost skip nothing it. that I ever even skip it. Like, was it too dark at times went, with oh, the three D? No. Like, I don't know. I I have a problem with the with the post process three D, which much of this was, and the problems that I have is that they tell you what to look at, where in a true three D environment, like. I'm in, I'm in a room right now. I can choose what I put into focus and what I put out of focus. And a well-done 3D film allows you to do that. And this doesn't. It's Actually, I think the only part that I really watched and like noticed, oh, hey, this is 3D, um, was was that shot at the beginning of... Um, the Warner Brothers logo? No, no, no. <laughs> of Snape. That you oh. could see the difference between him in the foreground and then yeah. the people. Marching. All right, so skip the skip yeah. the 3D. Was it an IMAX? No, see, no, no, you didn't see the IMAX. Um, all right, so we go. The whole scene I just felt was gratuitous. I felt like it was like, oh look, it, it seemed like something out of the first movie or the second movie. Like we're in a vault and everything's duplicating itself. What a cute little spell, and it's filling up and it's dangerous. And here's the dragon. The minute that I saw that the dragon was there was blood from the chains being on the dragon, I was like, they're gonna free the dragon. <laughs> like I and I didn't remember the scene from the book because I'd read the book years ago. But I was like, oh look, they feel bad for the dragon. That there's no way they're leaving that dragon there, right? 
Yeah. Like they're making a point of showing you the blood on the there's no way that they're leaving the dragon. Although I was surprised that they they had the dragon like totally toast that guy. Yeah, well, but does it matter? Because everybody was well, we'll get to it. So they escape and and Harry Potter can feel Voldemort for whatever reason when he's underwater. Um yeah. and and so they realize they have to do more Horcrux stuff. Great. Um I will say one of the more affecting scenes is everyone in Gringotts is killed by Voldemort. And it's the scenes of him walking barefoot through the blood. Yeah. Um, I was like, whoa, that's hardcore. Um, and that was, that was again, another scene where I was like, okay, this works. This is working. This element, this darkness stuff. And I would say in general, Voldemort works for me throughout the entire film. Um, Ray Fiennes, who was, even before Harry Potter, was my favorite actor um, because of the different abilities he has to play completely different characters and again i feel like he really pulls off a broken voldemort in this film yeah a broken desperate insane incredibly powerful but very vulnerable voldemort i i think that he does a great job in what could have been a two-dimensional performance by anyone else so so loved it okay so we go on and uh harry's looking at a mirror i don't really remember the mirror that much from the first half of this movie i do you know from oh yeah. yeah um it was in there all the time and he was constantly seeing dumbledore in it in the first in, in deathly house part one yeah i don't remember it okay my bad um yeah so, he like carried it around with him everywhere this little shard of a mirror so we see the stuff at the school and we see what's what's going on there and and harry uh dumbledore's brother is introduced in what seems a very rushed scene um, and then he's gone again until the very end of the film. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and this stuff for the most part worked. I liked, I liked Harry rejoining the order. Um, I felt like, like, again, when, when I say that I felt the film was rushed, I can't tell you much of what happened after Harry gets out of the water. I know that there's some wizards that are chasing him. There might've been an action scene. I know that Voldemort's doing some crazy shit and, and killing people and, and that the school is a bad place to be. Um, but my memory of the film has already completely faded until Harry arrives at the school. Um, and specifically when Harry confronts Snape and then when McGonagall steps out in what, again, she has like all of eight lines in the film, but when she takes over and, and she steps up to defend Harry against Snape, she is fucking powerful. Yeah. Is it like, like she's just walking forth and she's like barely moving her wand. She's like flicking it. It seems like she's like flicking rubber bands with it. <laughs> and and yet it seems because of her expression and the way that she's doing it, she seems dangerous. She really, you never got a sense that McGonagall could be dangerous. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, there's a reason why she's second only to Dumbledore in the school. Like she seems, you know, Snape's escape from the school, taking over the school, the, the, the shield popping up. At that point for me, the movie started. And... Maybe that's why you felt it was long. I felt like every scene up to then was kind of rushed. And I felt like I never had a chance to get into anything. Like, specifically, Dumbledore's brother. The scene with Dumbledore's brother. It's like, hey, I'm Dumbledore's brother. You don't know who he really was. Here, go in here. Yeah. I was like, uh, what? What are you talking about? Um, And and I feel like they rushed because they wanted to get to the school. Um, And then there's this period of the film uh, where where the where the the school is protected and all the people are outside the school and and Voldemort is like taunting everybody um yeah you know, like like nobody can get in 
and you just feel like the forces are rising on both sides. Um, and it's weird. I never at this point did. Did you feel like you wanted more? Like, okay, let's go back to one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite fantasy movies, Lord of the Rings: Two Towers. Before the yeah. ba- before the Battle of Helm's Deep, they have much less time. Before the Battle of Helm's Deep, maybe five minutes of that film, but they dedicate it to the arming up beforehand and the people scared underneath who aren't going to be fighting and the young people gearing up to fight who are scared to go do it and sort of the graveness of this situation as the two sides wait to fight. And did you get any sense of that in this? Um, no. Like it just seemed like stuff was happening. Yeah. You know, they I, were looking for, you know, Horcruxes in, in, okay, here's a scene that, that is interesting. So Harry goes to the room of requirement to find a tiara. <laughs> um, it sounds stupid when you say it. <laughs> it um, does. Uh, the scene's actually pretty good until um, uh, Malfoy shows up. Draco Malfoy shows up for the first time in the film. Uh, Hi, I'm here. Yeah. I'm still in the story. And I brought... Uh, I brought Crab and not Doyle because Doyle was arrested in England. I don't know if this is why he's not in the film, but whoever the actor was like had some legal problems. And I, I'm not sure if that's the actor who's missing, but it's not Crab and Doyle. It's it's Doyle and, and a different person hmm. uh, who's with him. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't know if it's, you know, who knows. Um, but uh, he shows up randomly and there's a random action scene in there. And then they all hop on broomsticks. And I want to know if you felt this way. Maybe it was redesigned for 3D. I know. Did you feel like the effects in the scene were completely shit? I didn't notice. When they were flying around on the broomsticks, um, I and also when they jumped on the dragon, I felt like it was back to Harry Potter one level of effects where clearly everything is digital and well, there was something and I, composited, and it didn't. See, now maybe in 3D it didn't seem that way, but for me, seeing it in 2D, I felt like like this looked. It looked very much like. They're sitting on broomsticks in front of a green screen. And I had not felt that way. I've seen people flying around on fucking broomsticks for these films for the last six films and did not feel this way. Suddenly there was something I didn't I don't know that I would have been able to tell exactly what it was that I was feeling. But I but there was something about it that I also thought. Like it reminded me of very early Harry Potter when they were yeah. on the brooms, and I I don't I didn't okay, know what like, exactly think made about me the, feel the, that way. The moment where Malfoy gets on the broomstick, do you ever get the sense that he's jumped onto the broomstick? He's just kind of like his hand is out, and then something happens, and then they go, and then I can't even tell you what happens yeah. to Malfoy after the scene. I don't even know how he got in the room. I don't know how he got off the broomstick. I know that one of the two guys gets incinerated. Yeah, and then I don't even know how but he gets really off the broomstick or happens to. It bothered that. me because I maybe I'm not not remembering correctly, but I thought from earlier books and movies that the room of requirement where they were, yeah, well, that you couldn't enter it if somebody else was already in there. Yeah. So how did he get in there? I don't know. That's because that, they watched the door close. They got there just in time to watch the door close. Well, again, yeah. Let, look, let's they they were eventually able to open the room requirement when people were in it. Um, and let's just assume we get, let's give that to them. Let's, let's make that, uh, let, let's make that a mulligan. We'll just go that, that he's been hanging out There's with some Vo- way that he's, he's been hanging out there. with Voldemort. Voldemort knows some shit and, and okay. you know, but can you tell me what happens to Malfoy after the scene? Cause I, for the life of me, don't remember. He captured, he picks him up. Does he let him go? 
It's like, okay, Malfoy, you chased me and you tried to kill me, but we're cool now. Do you ever get any sense of what happens after? Like, they leave the room on the broomstick, what happens to Malfoy? Because no shouldn't Harry just be like, you motherfucker, you know, just be beating yeah. the shit? Like, like, isn't that kind of what you want? Yeah. And and you don't get it. You don't get a yeah, sense of that at all. Like, at all. And why is Malfoy still out to kill Harry Potter? I mean, you get, when when they last had their fight in, uh, in Order of the Phoenix in the bathroom, like, and Harry just beat him, you you got the set like you had been feeling like Malfoy doesn't want to be part of this. Well, and, and he's still... and why suddenly he's like I'm going to kill Harry Potter. It's just like really, like maybe this happened in the book, but I never felt like I had this problem in the book that that Malfoy would then suddenly be reduced back to this because he became you know again he walks in here. Huh, what you doing there, Potter? I was like <laughs> wonderful. Here we go, awesome. Um, Okay, moving on. So that scene ends. Uh, there is a wonderful little bit in the Chamber of Secrets. Um, fun to return to that set. Fun to see Ron and Hermione in the place where they used to be um, from the second movie. That was the one with the snake yeah. door. That and that and that the 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 snake is still the basilisk is still there, and they use his you know one of his uh fangs the same way they do in chamber of secrets and and that they have this big kiss the kiss is wonderfully funny it was really weird it was funny i liked it i thought it was cute i thought it was really cute but the random water explodes i was like wow somebody just had a quickening (laughs) i didn't understand why the water was exploding Um, well apparently now when we destroy horcruxes Something the, the happens. People, people to have a quickening. We can call it nature. A, it's like Highlander. It's like it's there, everything that must blow with up. The there fire. Can be only one Horcrux. <laughs> that happened with the the fire in yeah. the room of requirements as well. Yeah, I guess. And with the water, I guess. And yeah. who knows? Okay, so, but now then then you get to some interesting stuff. Um, so while all this is happening, and I don't really, I think this is all happening during the battle scene. You have some interesting stuff. Um, one, I love uh, Neville um, on the bridge with the people chasing him. I think that yes. was that was a fun, fun, fun scene that I really dug. Um, and the beginning of uh, of the fight where where they kill one of the Horcruxes and Voldemort's just like fuck you. And starts the invasion. And the, everybody comes in. And the battle starts. And at first I'm really digging it. And I kind of feel like they're not letting me watch the battle. They keep cutting back to these other little scenes. Of what Harry and Ron and Hermione are doing inside. But I like you never get that. Again, Lord of the Rings had people fighting. People I didn't know fighting. And I that battle felt tough. That battle felt like stuff was happening. And you never felt the crunch of this battle. I felt like it was big. You felt the stuff was getting destroyed, but I never sort of felt the danger of the battle. Yeah, until all of a sudden, toward the end, you see all the people that have died. Yeah, but they they show you after. Yeah. They don't show you in the battle. You don't see that people things are, happening to you know, them. And, and, and you can do vignette. I mean, they, they cut away. I mean, I, I hate to keep going back to Lord of the Rings, and, and it's tough to not, um, but... Like in Lord of the Rings, they would have the battles and they cut back to Frodo doing something completely different. And then you could cut back to the battles and the battles seemed crunchy. That's the best word I can come up with crunchy. It seemed like stuff hurt. And I remember at the end of Order of the Phoenix, 
um, the like six person on six person wand fight in that seemed intense, you know, and, and it was crackling, but this sort of seemed to have the same level of intensity as the, like the best I can call it is like the Jedi versus all the robots at the end of star star Wars episode two, like when it was like 70 Jedi and 70 robots and they're all fighting each other and nothing really seems to be happening. It just seems like people are flicking wands and magic is going everywhere. And yeah. and there was never a sense of that magic's going to hit you. It's going to hit someone. There's any danger. Um, and while a lot was happening and I was enjoying it, I, I feel like I'm painting a picture that is not true about how I felt about the film. I was enjoying it. I was really digging it. I was really kind of, it was, there's nothing about the film that I was like, I'm not enjoying this. There's nothing about the film that I was like, this is awful. The way that I felt, let's say during Transformers 2 or, you know, it, there, there was, or, you know, Wolverine, you know, like I was enjoying what I was watching. Nothing quote unquote didn't work except for, you know, like a couple of the effect shots and, and the Gringotts scene. But it was just that I never, I was never feeling like this is grr in your face. And I guess the most flagrant example of this was Fred's death. Yeah. Because you see Fred's got someone, you know not who, cornering him. He looks scared. And then they come back and Fred's dead. Yeah. Off screen, like Mad-Eye Moody. You know, and I'm not saying you had to show him die. But if you had shown, you know, and it's Bellatrix who does it. If you had shown Bellatrix closing in on him and he's trying to fight you know and she's to, you know looking at him and you show her face and she points her wand and her face lights up blue or whatever it is or green as her wand casts a spell and you don't have to see where the spell goes but you know it was her and then you see fred die and you have a moment of that but you get two seconds of fred doing that and you don't know who was doing it and then suddenly she's a bitch and we're supposed to cheer for fred's mother killing her yeah, I didn't even I didn't even notice him being cornered or anything. There was one shot. There was one shot in the midst of the battle of him being cornered. I didn't notice it at all. I just noticed that that later when they're showing the different people that have died that that he's laying there dead. Yeah, and same thing. And I was kind of like, "Oh, what happened?" Now, is it is it that the director David Yates wants to pull back a little bit and go, "Look, we don't want to we are still making a kids film and we don't necessarily want to show our main characters dying. You know, is, is that what's happening? Is he pulling back a little bit after doing, you know, after being, being willing to kill in the last film, is he kind of going, okay, we're going to, we're going to just cut away a little bit. I don't know. I don't know what, what is driving that, those choices, but again, you know, Tonks and, and Lupin, they show you and, and, they they're just they're dead and that's actually an affecting scene seeing them dead actually seems very affecting but you don't like showing one of them seeing another person die you know like they show you everybody once they're dead yeah you keep walking in on oh here's a dead person oh here's a dead person yeah and i and keep going like oh those people died what happened oh no that's too bad but you never sent got the sense of it you know um spoilers for the movie serenity um, they kill the character of Wash in Serenity pretty horribly. Um, and after his very graphic and sort of literally visceral death, um, every other character in Serenity seems to get a death blow. 
every other character gets hit by a bullet or hit with a sword or hit with something. And every single time they get hit, the music cuts out and you hear a thump and everything goes slow motion for a second. You're like, that killed them. And this sense, you never got the sense that the stakes were raised, that you just watched a main character die and now anything could happen. You never got that sense. It still felt relatively safe in the midst of this battle. And I guess that's a complaint that I had in the book too, that that spoiler for the end of the film, um, none of the really beloved characters dies. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so let's cut real quick to the end, uh, to the stuff that really, really worked. Alan Rickman's performance as Snape. Snape is killed pretty horribly and he's absolutely, um, betrayed by Voldemort and I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh no, that's awful. I really felt like his death was horrible and unfair and evil and I felt like good, something with cost. I got that. And then his, um, his flashback, his uh, in the pensive, where you see his memories, is arguably my favorite thing in the entire Harry Potter series. It is beautifully done. Um, you feel for this guy. You feel for what he's gone through what he's done, you know, how he didn't like Harry, how he now cares for Harry, how Dumbledore was so pragmatic the whole time and, and, and how Snape felt betrayed by what was going on and really was Harry's advocate the whole time. And, and, and how everybody had hated him for what he was doing. And you like, you really, wasn't it gorgeous? I mean, that, that made me, I got choked up in that scene for him seeing Lily dead, him, uh, you know, I, 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 I felt, I felt for Snape in that scene. How about you? Yeah, I did. I, um, I actually forgot that he loved Lily. Really? That, that yeah, I. That's such, that's like a huge, that's like an integral part of his character. Really? <laughs> I, I didn't remember from the books. I also, I remembered that there was something about him that, um, like that there was some, that there was reason behind why he was doing all the things he was doing i'll be honest and that he really was kind of good but i couldn't remember when you find that out or how or or what the reasoning was i will say i will say a couple one uh our friend arthur rowan um who i'm gonna i gotta do a pop-off on buffy with um uh, but our friend arthur had a uh, bumper sticker that said i believe in you severus Mm-hmm. like something like that and and that always sort of struck me that you never quite knew um but i also felt like in the book i this this his memories did not explain everything as well as i wanted them to in the book and i felt the movie was very clear it was yeah. very very clear that harry was an unintended horcrux um and i felt like this was i i felt like his motivation his being told by dumbledore that he would have to let Dumbledore he would have to be the one to kill Dumbledore that it was a trick to make the elder the elder one actually not ever belong to Voldemort you know that all of that was that that was so clear in the film and it was muddy in the book um and that was in the film it was very clear to me what had happened that Snape was clearly a good guy and that he the whole time had been doing the right thing he'd always been on the side of he was never even conflicted he was always on the side of right, um, and that felt very clear to me in the in the movie. Yeah, um, and I was I was blown away by that scene. I loved loved that scene. Um, so uh, Voldemort, 
uh, faces down Harry and kills him. And uh, tell me, were you reminded of any other movies um, when suddenly Harry is in a big white room? Um, <laughs> yes, our movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, did you walk away feeling like this is like ninjas versus vampires? Yeah. Uh, uh, spoiler alert! Don't so, that something like that happens at some point. I don't want to spoil <laughs> that movie, but you can find out all about it by going on Netflix and streaming Ninjas versus Vampires for free um, if you have Netflix. Uh, so yeah, I felt very much like that scene. Ah, I just didn't work. Did it work? It was. I felt like that. I felt like the train scene in the Matrix, like because they were at a train station, everything yeah. was random and white. There was a a weird Voldemort baby on the ground. That, yeah, that was weird to me. I that entire scene didn't work for me. How about you? Uh, I, it wasn't. It didn't really bother me. Seemed long. That scene seemed long. It seemed to go on forever. It was boring. It was, it was, you know, it had one great line in it, which is this real or is it in my mind? Of course it's in your mind. It doesn't mean it's not real. Um, that I dug, I dug that, but I feel like the entire scene was, was like not that much better than I could have done. And I needed something better than I could have done. Um, so they battle, uh, they finally go. There's one big final battle with a snake everywhere, and and um, there's a lot has been made of the complaints that uh, that um, Voldemort uses Adava Kedavra, and and Harry uses Expelliarmus, which everybody criticizes him for always always using that that spell. And in the movie, there's none of that. It's just sort of like I've got green light, you've got red light. Yeah. Um, but the sense that yeah, at one point I seem to remember in the book there was some kind of speech about like like Voldemort, don't you understand? You're giving into darkness, you're giving into hate, you know, and and none of that seemed to be there. I seem to remember there being a conversation between Harry and Voldemort about the nature of good versus evil here and Voldemort choosing Adava Kedavra, which ultimately when Expelliarmus pushes the spell back that it's actually Voldemort's Adabakadabra, his own spell that kills him. That was not real clear in the movie. And that it just sort of felt like he died because Neville chopped the snake's head off. Yeah. That was one of the things I was going to mention was that that I didn't understand why... Watching the movie, I didn't understand why he died. Well, I mean, I... Like, Here's the thing. I understood the why he died the in the green movie, light, and then all of a sudden, well, he di- it seemed like he died because the last Horcrux was was destroyed. It yeah. seemed like that was a, it's. It's a matter of I wouldn't say I didn't understand why he died. I would say I felt like the movie was trying to tell me that he died because Neville killed the snake. Yeah. In which case, wouldn't that make Neville the chosen one? <laughs> um. Seriously, like it's. It seems like all Harry did was was hold him off till Neville could Neville could chop off the head of the snake and it was like that that didn't like you never got the sense that that like you could have done it i mean here's how you could have done this scene here's how you could have absolutely done this scene you could have done it where they're still fighting and harry's starting to win and harry's like harry's like tom you don't have to die it doesn't have to be this way call off your spell you know something you know you know you know Drop your wand and and him going never if I die you know so, something like that where it's clear that he has the choice to stop casting that spell yeah and he makes the choice to do it and so that leaves us uh, with uh, that happens they're they're 
kicking the rocks on the bridge, which I felt was a little weird. Is there? That was weird. There's like, oh, your brother just died. You want to kick around some rocks? Okay. Um, they uh, then you have the end. The nineteen nineteen years later. Now, I am a filmmaker, and I've ended my last two movies with titles that says six months later. Um, and I never had a problem with it feeling tacked on, but I always felt like what I'm doing at the end of my movie is setting up the next movie. Um, in the book, I kind of liked it. Did you like this final scene at the train station? Um, it, nah, I don't know. I didn't, I felt kind of meh <laughs> about it. Let me ask you a question. I liked everything about the performances, everything they were trying to pull off. They didn't look anywhere near 19 years old. Well, here's the thing. bothered me. Could you tell that they're, they were A, wearing makeup, and B, they were being digitally altered in the scene? Because I could. Yeah. I could tell. Not only were they wearing old age makeup, but I could tell there was also some computer thing going on. I couldn't have told you what, but I could tell you that they just didn't quite something right. about it didn't look right. And yeah. I it got that sense of computer muckery is going on <laughs> um, with everyone except Draco, who just had a goatee. Yeah. Um, and it was awful. That was. Well, that, and I felt like um, Ron, I liked that they made him a little pudgy. That I liked. <laughs> I liked that. And of all things, and I think that I think Ginny, Ginny looked, Ginny looked 35, 40. Yeah. Ginny looked look. spectacular for someone who's supposed to be so young. She looked. She absolutely pulled it off with costume and because I feel like they didn't do any computer stuff on her. Like it was, yeah. they focused on the main characters and in the close-ups of Harry actually believed it. But it was also, it's mostly in like the, the half body and three quarter shots where it seemed like they weren't really taking all the time they could take. Because when it was Harry's close-up, I believed it. Yeah. Um, and Hermione, I didn't look, think looked any different Here's the all. thing. Do you think she's going to look that different in 19 years? I don't know. I mean, that's I mean, that's a substantial question to go. If you go if you look at Julia Roberts today in 2012 and what was 19 years ago, 19 years ago would have been 1990, what, 1993. Um, So if you look at Julia Roberts today and I'm not saying go back to Pretty Woman, I'm saying go back to like, you know, Mary Riley, the movie that she, you know. You know, 19 years for an actor. I think I think Emma Watson's going to look like that 19 years from now. Um, hmm. So, I mean, I think that that ultimately, you know, the idea to make Ron a little fatter um, and losing his hair a little bit and look like his dad. I kind of dug that. I was into that. Um, uh, and I loved the the writing. I loved the acting. I loved the 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 kids names. Um you know, I kind of didn't like that the Hogwarts Express was all painted red. I was like, if you're gonna if you're gonna end the scene with the iconic shot of like the the thing that's supposed to mean Harry Potter is the the Hogwarts Express, then make it look like the Hogwarts. You know, it's like I didn't notice. Well, it's part of the it's part of the iconography of of Harry Potter, and it was sort of not there. Um, I feel like we've just completely fucking thrashed this film. But um, it is a good movie. That's the thing is is that it's easy to point out its flaws. It flows very briskly, I feel. You felt like it was a little too long. I, I just felt like it took too long to tell get me to if, the big fight. If, if they had spent five extra minutes, made the movie five minutes longer, and given you setup scenes for stakes. So if they had shown, taken 
make make 20 seconds of that five minutes showing Fred getting killed so that then when the mom is there and maybe have another 20 seconds where Bellatrix is really winning against the mom and and is about to kill Ginny, you know, like that's 40 seconds longer of the film. But would that not have made the fights mean more to you? Yes. You know, definitely. Um, if after, you know, Ron and or after Draco attacks Harry, they get out and Harry just just gets off his broomstick and just starts fucking pummeling him in the face and mm-hmm. has to be pulled off. You know, would that you know thirty seconds there would that emotional moment have geared emotionally invested you in the film? Yeah. If when everybody's turning sides, you know Harry you know looks at Draco and Draco looks at him and goes, "I'm sorry, Harry." You know, like like if. You know, you're supposed to set up these scenes like 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 music. There's supposed to be a call and an answer. And I felt like there was no sense of something happens here. And then 20 minutes later, you get the payoff for that. And I never got like the sense of you're getting payoff, 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 payoff. I got just the sense you're getting. Here's a scene. Here's a scene here, which is my criticism of the second mo- second movie. Um, But ultimately, it's I don't I feel like I could have used 10 more minutes to really make me feel feel the stakes of what was going on um and i didn't need an action scene in gringotts where gold multiplied itself i needed a (laughs) scene where you know where harry is you know like when when draco's mom said is draco alive i found myself going where is draco what's he doing where'd he go Hmm. you know um you know a minute if i saw a minute of just the preparation for the battle a la the two towers where people are a little freaked out that this is about to happen. Um, and if they had any, you, know, you see that the, the school gets trashed, but the closest thing you get to a money shot with that is, is the, is the bridge getting blown up. But that's sort of a funny scene. You know, it's, you don't get any moments that are, you know, in the two towers again, I'm just going to call that one is the, is the one I'm citing the moment when they make the bomb that blows up the side of Helm's deep in that movie. You never forget that. There's a giant explosion, one explosion, one bomb going off. And you never get the sense that you're watching the school get trashed. You just sort of, there's a bunch of magic, some stuff blows up and then the school is trashed. Yeah. And you never sort of get the. That in between. Yeah. Stage. Yeah. That, that you never get the sense, not the in between, the, the moment of its destruction, the moment that you see something that you've loved get destroyed. You know, the moment that you have all the paintings in the hallway, you know, the, the stairs just getting just wiped the fuck out. You know, D- Dumbledore's office getting blown. To sh- you know, you don't get it. And I feel like that 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 was the problem. But let me come let me come straight out and say this straight away. I liked this film and I like I love this series. And I wonder how I'm going to feel because I think that you and I have to shorten this podcast by one podcast. Um uh, I want to see Deathly Hallows. We're gonna have to get some. We're gonna have to arrange child childcare. I want to watch Deathly Hallows one and go immediately to see Deathly Hallows two. I want to watch it. Watch it as one full as movie one experience. experience and see because you there are things that I had forgotten and think you know yeah. I want to see that at the end of watching the whole thing and see if you know what can you watch this as a as a full experience because I think ultimately. All the problems I had with this film individually, I feel like it does a fine job of wrapping up the films. And I feel like it's, you know, I get mostly the payoff I want. I don't have any huge problems with the films. I just, this film, I just sort of have 
a bunch of little ones and things I wished were a little better. And I think that's the thing. I don't, there's nothing that is killing me, but just some that I wish was a little better. Yeah. I agree overall. It was, it was a good movie and I'm sad to see the series end. I had that kind sense of too. looking forward to going back and rewatching all the yeah, movies with you just because then I get to experience it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and see if our perspective changes. You know, and so look, which uh, all of you will hear. Yeah, about. look, guys, why don't you do this too? Listen, those of you who are listening, those of you who have the wherewithal to do it, go. All two of go, you. Go. That's so not true. <laughs> that's so not true. We're 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 doing well, actually. We're doing we're we're trending better than some we of the other parts. Hundreds of thousands of listeners. That's not true either. <laughs> um. So listen, if um two things. One, if you guys could go out and uh and go pop in uh. Sorcerer's Stone and give it a watch and then come back and check out what we have to say. I think you'll enjoy this a lot more. Otherwise, you can listen to our thoughts on it. Um, uh, you can listen to all the other podcasts at the Endlight Podcast Network just by going to endlightpodcast.com. You'll see all of them listed there. Um, we will be having some pop-off podcasts in between the Harry Potter podcasts. Um, as soon as I can get Daniel Ross in to talk about uh, the new Transformers movie, I really think that we need to, and I don't want to wait nine weeks to do it. Um, so we'll be having that. Ninjas versus You uh, is not dead and gone. Uh, we will be doing more. Um, uh, I have some things lined up uh, very soon. Uh uh, and then, of course, Track Off is our most regular uh, podcast. Um, I have a, a pretty strong feeling that we're going to be hearing the return of the Suckcast pretty soon, too. Um, so keep an eye out for those. Uh, Ninjas vs. Vampires is available streaming. Uh, so do that and uh, and go to Netflix and watch it. And if you like it, you can go to ninjasvsvampires.com and order a copy and you will get a copy along with a free CD you can't get anywhere else. Um, I think that's it. Uh, listen, if you're enjoying this, can you do me a favor? Can you pop onto your Facebook right now? Um, if you're listening to your iPhone, just go over to Facebook and tell people to check out pop off or check out the Unlight podcast network, uh, and, uh, get the word out because we're doing this, uh, for you guys. And if you're enjoying this, uh, let us know, uh, go to iTunes and rate us, um, but mostly just let others know and get them involved. If you're just listening to this one, please go on subscribe so you get them automatically. Um, and that's it. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed uh, part two of our of our multi-hour podcast on Harry Potter. Um, I'm looking forward to restarting the series. I've not started the book as I promised I would. And that is something I intend to do this week is to start the book as I also watch the movie. Um, so that is it. Kelly, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Mm-hmm. No, you, you can go to bed now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> She's so tired. tired. Um, okay. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, this is Kelly and I'm Justin. Harry Papa. We are now part of the Enlight Podcast Network. With such awesome shows like Trek Off, Pop Off, The Hot Mess Podcast with Phil Stamper, and Ninjas vs. You. Subscribe to those. They're going to be fun. It's going to be neat. But we're still number one. Because we're supposed to be. Because we're the oldest. Enlightpodcast.com. Go there.